0: Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of and wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 108 of Unblocking Crypto. Al, oh, great to see you again. And we got some exciting things to talk about today.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like this is gonna be a fun one.
0: Yeah, so it's not very often that you see Bitcoin pop eleven percent in twenty four hours, especially when it's over fifty something thousand dollars. So I, I think it touched fifty seven, close to fifty eight thousand dollars here recently, which is a lot when it's already there. I mean, we've talked about a couple thousand dollar day, but now you just saw five plus thousand dollar day, and I mean, I guess we're still trying to figure out what the reason behind it is. But I know BlackRock had one point three. A billion in inflows, which is a new record high for them, even higher than their first day when they were kind of prepping for weeks ahead of time to have this huge day one. And, and now it's an even bigger day than what it was a month or so ago. So really exciting stuff going on from a Bitcoin perspective and exciting to see if this continues or what's going to happen. I mean, if you look at it Even the RIAs are just now coming online, and there's still quite a few of them. According to Mike Novgratz, he thinks there's more than, this is only maybe half of them that are even uh, signed on at this point to be able to sell Bitcoin ETFs.
1: Yeah, that's what I'd love to talk about first was this huge candle day we had that was, it started in like 50, in the 51s and got into the 57s, which like you said, is it's tougher to do. The higher the dollar value of Bitcoin, the harder it is to move the needle and the more money that has to flow in in order to to increase the, the price and the market cap. And yeah, I mean, the ETFs seem to be, I don't know if they're a leading indicator or if they're just an indicator because, you know, there's still 10 to 15% of the total funds flow into the Bitcoin network every day. And so – but if they have a good day, it seems like Bitcoin has a good day. Like they they seem to be in sync. And so I don't know if people are taking that ETF as a lead or not or if it's just another avenue for funds to flow into Bitcoin. And so that one is just a little bit easier to see right now because there's so many people paying attention to it. But I I had $500 million – of inflows net of the etfs i think i think you said 1.3 billion in inflows but i think that was volume i think that's trading that that blackrock had because i had gbtc at only 22 million dollars of outflows which is almost nothing you know some of the days they'd have you know high hundreds Million in outflows, and so it was real easy for everybody to for everybody for the other ETFs to overcome that selling pressure from GBTC. But also, that's like a signal: if GBTC selling pressure is slowing down, you know who's selling right now, right? And and when people stop selling, that's when the price starts to to escalate. So, you know, and we had the five hundred million dollars come into the ETFs. ARK had its best day, Fidelity and Franklin Templeton both had their second best day. Sailor announced that he bought another 3,000 Bitcoin, so there's another 155 million going in, and that puts his total at 193,000 Bitcoin. So yeah, I mean, you know, in a day with that much kind of news, plus the price going up makes the—it amplifies the news, I feel like— I, I'm not convinced that the news drives the price so much as when the price goes up, the news finds, finds articles to write, but yeah, it's getting pretty fun. This is the part where I'm actually uh, like watching the price multiple times a day. And I mean, in in the, in the high fifties, there's just not been that many days where Bitcoin is above 55,000, you know, we, we, it's got to be something like 30 to 60 days total where Bitcoin's been this high. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about this like it's at almost the peak price of Bitcoin's history. Bitcoin people aren't really even talking about it, but non-Bitcoin people definitely aren't talking about it. Like my phone, I'm not getting text messages. I, I, one guy who I've not really orange-pilled so much as he's just FOMO'd in, he just doesn't have the bandwidth or desire to learn a lot about Bitcoin, but he is, he just has thrown some money on it and I'm kind of coaching him along, dragging him along into learning a little bit more about it. But hey, it's mostly exposure for him and he's into it. But I mean, there, you know, he, I had to ask him if he was paying attention yesterday when all of my news feeds was, they were all blowing up about Bitcoin. So I don't know what the price has to be before people start really talking about it.
0: Yeah. I think what's exciting and you're probably in a similar boat. It's, I think all of my Bitcoin purchases from the past are now in the green. <laughs> it's been a while since that's been the case, but uh, I'm excited I about that. I think I have dude. one. I
1: think I have one <laughs> that was, that started with a six cause I was just like <laughs> dollar cost average buy whenever it's going to 150,000 anyway, you know, it's like t- total. Total FOMO, you know, I know where this is going. I gotta get more more Bitcoin. My you know, and, and it's not like a huge purchase, so it's not like it it sways my cost basis too much. But I will say, I'm starting to feel that like, all right, I've got my Bitcoin stuff's feeling good. And like, why do I own these other boring things like traditional finance? Why, you know like you it, I can feel it that that I don't want to be diverse and I want to get into some higher risk stuff and and it's hard not to make moves even though it's this is like the worst time to make a move. Yeah, I'm I'm I my bags are packed and I'm along for the ride and it's gonna I think this is gonna be a fun one.
0: I did laugh a little bit. Uh, I looked at some of the tokens that had had better days than Bitcoin has had. And one of the ones that stuck out was a cash. So it's up <laughs> by it's 14% percent in the last <laughs> 24 hours. <laughs>
1: it was number one. When I looked at it at some point and it was like up 52% in 24 hours. And I was like, oh, well,
0: that that's fine. <laughs> well, thank you for selling it so that my bags went up. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no problem.
1: I don't think uh, I moved the market.
0: Yeah. So I think one other thing to talk about, you mentioned MicroStrategy. And with all of this excitement, there's going to be a ton of things happening. MicroStrategy's Twitter got hacked. And there was about $440,000 of crypto that was lost because MicroStrategy apparently posted that they were going to tokenize some something. And that if you wanted to get a part of that to send crypto to some address and i think it was on ethereum which is funny that it's on ethereum and michael saylor is a bitcoin pro like he doesn't do anything other than bitcoin so the people that actually follow what's going on microstrategy there is no reason why they ever would have sent ethereum to microstrategy when microstrategy cares nothing about ethereum
1: <laughs> yeah so. it, it, michael saylor is famous for saying there is no second best so yeah. for you to get for you to be deep enough into the into crypto and bitcoin to, to have heard or follow michael saylor's twitter account you know these aren't 78 year old grandmothers i wouldn't think that are getting fooled by this i mean that's that would be a i feel like that would be an easy one to be like this, this feels like you got hacked
0: yeah i think the big thing for everybody just to remember is if it's too good to be true it probably is I know there's a ton of airdrops that are happening. This is kind of airdrop season. But if you live in the US, you probably don't have access to any of them. Anyway, so it doesn't matter at this point. The other thing that was kind of interesting, speaking of Bitcoin, was the blog that the European Central Bank released. And I don't know if you paid too much attention to that, but holy cow. I mean, we've talked about Bitcoin being a way to get out of the the banking system. Well, the ECB pretty much posted that Bitcoin has failed to fulfill its promise as a global decentralized digital currency, which is an interesting way of of putting that. And because of that, they think the value of Bitcoin, the fair value of Bitcoin, is pretty much zero dollars. So at this point, they think it's going to fail. And for one of the largest banks in the world, or I think they're kind of similar to the Federal Reserve, like They are a huge entity that believes Bitcoin is not going to work even after the U.S. is enabling spot Bitcoin ETFs, and they're saying that that is just a case of FOMO (laughs) and that it still brings uh, no real value. And the reason that they say it's not an investment is because it lacks cash flows, dividends, and um, productive commercial uses or social benefit. So the other thing they mentioned was that it was viewed as a commercial commercial criminal enterprise and that it was a top choice for money laundering which is kind of crazy because then they came in and said that all these criminals aren't using it because it runs on a immutable fully public and transparent ledger so they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth And what's crazy, I mean, you talk about money laundering in general. If you look at the US dollar, the $100 bill is probably one of the largest that's used in money laundering. And I think one of the benefits for the US government is they print these US dollars and they go to other parts of the world and never really come back. Well, to compete with that, the ECB has now started creating 200 200 euro and 500 euro dollar bills in the past couple of years (laughs) so that you could theoretically transform more wealth with a sm- smaller bill so they want in on <laughs> this and they're not i think fans of transparency apparently so kind of crazy and then the other big thing they talked about was how mining was ruining the environment and we've talked a lot about all of this stuff how it's kind of crap and this is a mess <laughs> but it's amazing that they're coming out and saying all this even though a lot of it's already been debunked
1: yeah i love it when people are like oh bitcoin has failed as a global unit of exchange or any – it failed in any way, right? Because it's not done. It's it's still growing. It's still getting adoption. And it's classic to say, oh, it doesn't have a use case. It's not good at what it's supposed to be good at. It isn't a currency. And then immediately say it's the best – or it's a, a favored – method for criminal activity because that's how tech, tech criminals typically start using technology first and th- then it rolls into modern use right because like a company it, it moves slower uh you know pagers and drug dealers were the the first move right cell phones and are the same story so this is it's so dumb to say that something has, is lost and, and it's it's the same as Bitcoin being declared dead in the in the media because the price drops. We're like okay well you just don't understand what you're talking about like the price went down that the pe- there are people more people selling than buying that's that's what happened and then now you're trying to make a little bit of fiat on putting together a headline. Uh, so if if the ECB says it, then it's probably wrong. That's like the central banks have done such a poor job. I, I'm not even really paying attention to the ECB much anymore. I mean, they, they had their negative interest rates and were inflating their currency worse than the U.S. was. And the U.S. – I mean, look at the U.S. Central Bank. $260 billion in a month of deficit. So we're on pace for $3 trillion b- being behind this year. like They're just not good at stuff. And they're certainly not good at, at learning – a whole new technology that's in competition with them in a way, right? A, a, a theoretical competition, right? When, when and if Bitcoin does compete with central banks, that's when they might start figuring it out, right? These guys, there's some people that can dodge a punch. These are Bitcoiners, right? They can see it coming. They move their head. They don't get punched square in the face. It seems like people in government, see the punch coming, expect it not to happen. Hey, I've never got punched in the face before. Why would I get punched in the face this time? And then pow, they get knocked out, right? And and if you look at it, like Bukele, he wasn't a politician that then became a Bitcoiner, right? He was into Bitcoin and got elected. And so, you know, he's one of those guys that can dodge a punch. And... You know, looking at these politicians, man, they're all going to have to get knocked out and then somebody else is going to step in their spot like they're not they're not going to figure it out. So uh, very few, I'll say very few of them are like that. I think I would put some of the Texas politicians, once they see the value of Bitcoin mining on the grid and then they start to be forced to understand it and they've got a lot of people with a lot of money in their jurisdictions that are trying to coach them up and telling them that what they should do, you know, that's about as close as I've seen politicians become influenced by Bitcoin. You know, it's the Elizabeth Warrens of the world. They're not they're just going to have to matriculate out of the system.
0: Yeah, what's interesting, if you look at since the inception of Bitcoin, the euro has lost 99.5% of its value to Bitcoin too, right? So if you look at who's winning, <laughs> it's, it's a very clear picture. And what's crazy is, and I didn't pay too much attention to this, but the whole Brexit thing that happened a while ago. Well, if you look at what England and Wales are doing, they're about to pass some legislation that views crypto and NFTs as property. So kind of the exact opposite of what the rest of Europe is doing. And I guess maybe they saw that they had a lot of different views from the, from Europe and they decided to do their own thing. Now it is looking like they are going to come out ahead because they're becoming this crypto center over there. I mean, one, they don't really have any other resources, so they have to figure more financial things to do. So they're they're making sure they're going to be a leader in this space, which is it's cool to see.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, the United States is great because you have 50 different sandboxes, and the kids in each sandbox get to decide what the rules are for their sandbox. And if you're in Texas or Wyoming or Florida and Georgia, you get to play with Bitcoin. And if you live in other states, like New York, if you start playing with Bitcoin, they they kick you out of the sandbox. <laughs> and eventually, the kids, will, the kids will move to the sandbox that's having the most fun and making the most money. And so if you've got... The ECB controlling the entire European Union and everybody's playing by the same rules. Now you can't just hop one border over to Switzerland. You got to go to a uh, you know a, a country further away that's got different rules. So if you know from the Brexit standpoint, now you don't have to go that far and you don't have to speak a different language. You can just go through a tunnel and find yourself in in the UK. So you know put put that on the list of. Uh, of political moves that that make sense
0: yeah i mean and, and this isn't to say that there aren't places in europe that are crypto friendly right this is just as a whole the ecb is completely screwed up and you could argue that <laughs> the federal reserve was like that for a couple of years too so while we thought europe was ahead of the curve and passing this MiCA legislation and all that now it's looking like they're still a lot of question marks over there on on what's going to happen. So there's definitely pros and cons. This is, to me, very idiotic for the ECB to come out and say this, especially with everything going on. So, uh, oh, well, right. It's It is what it is.
1: Yeah. So while we're speaking of idiotic government moves, the EIA came out with a Bitcoin mining survey. And we talked about this maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago and i was like i you know i bet that these guys just comply well some of them did but riot and the texas bitcoin mining council filed a suit because it was overreach they didn't allow a public comment period and there was a lot of survey questions that exposed like competitive advantage for the different mining companies what you know which mining what equipment do you have what is your your strategy for for power and what's the what's the fuel source of the have that power and so this is again this is a federal higher level kind of pushing down on uh, on a state in order to get this information of course all of this goes back to you're using too much power you're making power prices too high just it's it's the opposite of what the EIA really does which is really just kind of published data and information. And so the the Riot and Texas Bitcoin Mining Council side is is actually fairly disappointed that the EIA withdrew, right? They just the judge said, yeah, th- this should be suspended. There's we need to figure out some more things. Some of this stuff is isn't correct. It was un- it was done under an emergency. What's the emergency, you know, kind of problem? And so Ryan's like, great, we get to get. Let's go to court. We'll go to discovery, and we'll see who pushed the EIA to to put this survey out. Because I think we all know that it's coming from Cinder Warren or some someone similar. But instead, the EIA just withdrew. They just said, okay, fine, we'll back off. We don't want to go to court over this. It, which to me is like, it's a it's an L. It, you know, that's a loss. Another loss for the. Uh, the anti-Bitcoin government. And, you know, the, the judicial system seems to kind of be the bedrock of of all of these bad decisions from the government where they can pass all this, these regulations and things. But when XRP and Ripple or the SEC and GBTC go to court or this EIA Bitcoin mining survey gets pushed to the courts, you know, the courts are like, hey, guys, this what you're saying doesn't make sense. Like you, you can't consider something a security; it's when it's not. Or you you can't just arbitrarily prevent people from from doing business. You can't ask them questions that will expose their competitive advantage from a private business standpoint. And so it's like the government has to keep backing down. So you know, throw this on the list of like some of the cool stuff that America's founded on, as far as allowing that to be a part of the the equation, but it's pretty nice that you know the 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 you, you kind of know you're on the right side of things when the the judicial system's on
0: your team. Yeah, the series of checks and balances is awesome, right? There's one of the best inventions that the founding fathers had. <laughs> it was doing that for sure. Yeah. So What's, and I, I read a little bit about that where they pretty much just called it a sloppy government process, which I kind of laughed because I was like, aren't all government processes sloppy?
1: <laughs> yeah, the quote <laughs> I had, I wrote it down, was it's a case of sloppy government process, contrived and self-inflicted urgency, and invasive government data collection. That's, that mm-hmm. was the, the, the line that stuck out when in a couple of articles I read. I'm like, yep, that sounds about right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so kind of tailing onto that a little bit where Bitcoin is becoming a a bigger force, right? And this is prior to this past bump in the last 24 hours, but one of the ex Coinbase execs kind of came out and said that Bitcoin has now hit all time highs in 14 different countries around the world. Japan was one of those. There's a bunch in Africa and a bunch in South America too. But what he started saying is, I mean, it hasn't done that in the U S yet. And he, pretty much said that the U.S. dollar is kind of like a vampire that just sucks all the the value out of all the other fiat currencies. And that it's, I think the Bitcoin or the U.S. dollar has collapsed against Bitcoin by over six degrees of, six orders of magnitude. And that pretty soon there's probably going to be a couple more at this point. So it, it is kind of interesting to see where, I mean, we just saw this huge jump in the past 24 hours. So it would surprise me if the all-time high is going to be a lot more than 14 countries here pretty soon.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a there's a dollar milkshake theory where, you know, the the, the dollars in this huge lead, the United States exports dollars. There's a lot of dollar-denominated debt in countries across the world. And so the dollar just sucks up the value. And it just the the other currencies are just in this whirlpool getting sucked up by the dollar. And then there's kind of this Bitcoin. I would say there's this commodity level that is sucking on the dollar, right? The the dollar's losing to goods, services, and commodities. Technology helps the commodities, right? I mean, oil's Price is low relative to what it should be based on an inflation adjusted uh, price. So, but it, Bitcoin doesn't doesn't change like that's where you can't more efficiently mine Bitcoin. Actually, it gets seems to get less efficiently mined because the hash rate is at all not all time highs, and the price per hash rate is is you know nowhere close. So, for me, if you are looking for like the strongest horse in the race if you're just looking at fiat currencies it's the dollar and then you start looking at commodities and other investments you know bitcoin is 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 definitely up there from a strength standpoint as it's adopted you know then it'll kind of complete the whole picture where where people are valuing it so that i mean that's why we talk about that's why we talk about bitcoin and not talk about gold i mean that's and that's why the bitcoin etfs are pulling funds from the gold etfs into the b, the bitcoin etfs which i saw some of that and i'm like yeah okay you know coincidental and then i listened to some etf guys like the the cio of of bitwise was talking and he's like yeah it's it looks like that's what's happening here it, it's you know they they've got a better analysis than i do it's just because some one thing goes down and another goes up doesn't mean it's flowing from from a to b it, it could be just things are going out of A and things are going into B, but they're not connected. So uh, it it appears that some of the sound money people are allocating some of their sound money ETFs into Bitcoin. And I mean, it's, you know, the crummier fiats like to get exposure to the dollar and whether that's through the, through dollars or stable coins. And then once you're in the dollar, if you have extra dollars, you like to get into other things like real estate equities or Bitcoin. Uh, And so, you know, once you're in Bitcoin, you don't really look to buy anything else. You know, you're at the top of the ladder. So that's kind of the, the 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 hierarchy of sound money. And that's kind of why people like us find ourselves having a oversized allocation to Bitcoin, but yet kind of wanting more. Like we wish we had more, yeah. even though we're like, I, you start to feel like a crazy person.
0: Well, I think Michael Saylor has always talked about Bitcoin is that alpha asset and it's becoming US dollars used to be where everybody wanted to be if you're in a foreign country. And now I think you're starting to see foreign countries saying, wait a minute, I can get into Bitcoin and not have the regulations <laughs> and the, and have financial weapons used against me if I'm in the US dollar. So after what happened with Russia and, and everybody else, it's it'll be interesting to see if, if that starts to turn things on even more too.
1: Yeah. And I mean, not to go really nuts with this, but you know, we're kind of sliding out of a U.S. dominated world and into more of a multipolar world with, you know, more powers, right? China's increasing. Maybe they don't stay in power, but you've got just different different groups of countries trying to kind of band together and compete and, and not buy everything in U.S. dollars, right? Not buy all the oil in U.S. dollars, not have all the debt in U.S. dollars. And so, you know, as you have multiple entities like that, you're gonna have more and more countries. It's not just going to be North Korea, Iran, Russia that are that are afraid of US sanctions. You know, especially it feels like the US is as a leader loses its grip, it tends to kind of flail wildly, and you wouldn't want to get caught with the US kind of throwing out throwing power around just to exert power and to to impose that it still exists. So, you know, you'd want to have a backup plan. So, I think uh I think we'll see on a global level I think we'll see more and more bitcoin adoption. Uh if if it's this cycle, if we have the ETFs and we have some sovereign money it, like this there there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about this cycle. If you start to have a little bit of of sovereign debt funds j- jump into uh or sovereign reserves go into Bitcoin, you know this could be this could be a pretty wild
0: situation we're in. Yeah. So speaking of that, South Korea, we talked a little bit about them last week, where the political party was trying to push more crypto friendly things, and one of the things that they're interested in doing is enabling spot Bitcoin ETFs for the general public, and they they haven't done that in the past. And what there's a plan for the South Korea f- federal federal regulator to meet with Gary Gensler in May, which I kind of laugh because of all people to meet with, I think he's the least helpful. And the agenda on this meeting is to talk about spot Bitcoin ETFs and then how to classify NFTs. And I'm like, well, I mean, Gary hasn't even done that yet. So he won't say anything about it. Why are you going to him to talk? Like, go talk to Japan or somebody else at this point. So, yes, I mean, everybody's trying to, to do more. And because I think the US has now finally passed Spotcoin, then BT- people are watching, but they weren't the first. And they're definitely not going to be the last.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I- Gary Gensler's at least thought about this a lot from a regulatory standpoint. So, even though he's not doing a great job, or at least maybe he is doing a good job of like having one foot in the Elizabeth Warren up gave me this job essentially, and I'm she's not firing me, but I'm also getting things approved from a regulation standpoint. I don't, I don't know, man. I feel like. Guys like him and Jay Powell, they've got to play so many stupid political games while they're actually having to deal with math problems. That I'm, I don't envy their positions. But he has thought about it, and I mean, for all he could just say, "Look, you're going to lose this battle if you're trying to if you're trying to drag your feet and not, or or if you're trying to regulate crypto or Bitcoin into oblivion, you're not going to win. Like, it's just not there now." It, What's the South Korean Constitution look like, and you know how how much did the does the, the judicial system back? You know I don't know any of those answers, but if it's like, hey, here's how you can navigate this, or also here's what not to do: don't release all ten at once, don't delay it for seven years, eight years, and then then release all all ten at once, and then watch all this money flow in, <laughs> like billions of dollars flow in in a month. You know that's at that point you're manipulating the market right you're you're with you're holding back a ton of demand for almost a decade and then you're releasing it all at one time and so maybe that'll be some of his advice i, I don't know I, at least at least he's done something you know if you're if you're looking to consult it's like well tell me what you did wrong too you know
0: yeah so speaking of the sec Kraken just filed a motion to dismiss the sec's case and if you Remember, man, we almost had talked about this year and a half, two years ago, where the SEC went after Kraken for their staking program, and all they they said, "Oh yeah, all you had to do is fill out this one page form, and you could have done it." Yeah. After Kraken paid like thirty million dollars to settle, well, right after they paid the thirty million dollars to settle, SEC came back nine months later and filed a new claim against them, and so now. With everything going on, the Kraken has pretty much come out and said the SEC is trying to accommodate expansive new authority over the U.S. economy while Congress is trying to approve how that authority should be allocated. So they want to dismiss. They want Congress to make a decision rather than the SEC. I think Elizabeth Warren wants the SEC to have sole power. Uh, they Not everybody agrees with that. I would say hardly anybody agrees with that. So... Um, hopefully that continues to disappear. And then kind of like you talked about earlier, another L for the sec and and the government based on how they're doing things.
1: Yeah. And the more losses that stack up, the easier it is for the crypto friendly or crypto native guys to, to win future lawsuits and to have things dismissed. It's kind of tough to dismiss one of these suits, because basically the judge has to determine that there's just absolutely nothing there but it will get easier and easier for for these groups to to beat the government regulators on just wildly inappropriate
0: regulations. Yeah, I know we're talking a lot about Bitcoin because I know that's your focus, but Ethereum has also done really well. They've now hit 22 month highs. So things are going well from from their perspective. We talked about, I mean, there's a ton of projects that are built on top of Ethereum. So usually when Ethereum does well, everything else does well. We're right around the corner right now from the the Kuhn upgrade that Ethereum is going to have, which is going to drop all their fees by an order of magnitude from what it sounds like, which will then drop layer two fees. And one of the ways that Ethereum becomes more comparable to a Solana in terms of uh, a fees perspective, right? So I don't think they'll ever be as low as Solana, but they're they're getting closer to some of that. And you've also, I mean, there's a lot of memes out there where Bitcoin and Ethereum are going up and Solana's just kind of sitting there like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> I'm going to sit here and watch for a while. So yeah, it's exciting to see. And even from that perspective, one of the, the big programs or big projects on Ethereum is Chainlink. And Chainlink just made an announcement with telecom networks, I think somewhere in South America, that they are going to create a partnership to help facilitate on-chain smart contract notifications using Matic. And the exciting piece about all this, and you've probably heard other people that are getting hacked from the whole swim, cart, swim swaps, this is one of the things that could help eliminate the whole SIM swap issue going on. So I'm sure there's a lot more applications that they can utilize this for, but another exciting just thing happening in the crypto space that no one's really talking about.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard too much from Chainlink since, you know, the last Bitcoin, the last crypto bull run. And so, yeah, it's good to to hear that, that word come up again, I guess.
0: Yeah, they're definitely, they've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes and I, I think it's, I mean, their staking program that they implemented still has a lot of interest. So I think it has some upside still. How much? I have no idea. Like I still have some, but it's, I I mean, they're the largest Oracle out there and they're continuing to grow and become better. So that's great to see. Polkadot has also made some big announcement there test network which is called kusama just uh, activated a new consensus uh, protocol called beefy and pretty much the main thing that that will allow them to do would would be to seamlessly verify any sort of evm which is pretty much everything that ethereum does right so this allows it all the polka dot ecosystem to I guess almost go back and forth between any Ethereum network. And now you, I mean, those are two of probably the largest ecosystems out there that will now be able to talk back and forth and create a kind of a bridge between the, the two networks, which is exciting to see.
1: Yeah, this is a little bit outside of my range of, I don't know how that's super good or not, but you know, I think I bought some polka dot in the last, craze when it was like peak FOMO move like I uh, you know uh, you feel like you have enough bitcoin because it's up and you know that that the big the bitcoin funds are going to rotate out of bitcoin and into the larger alts and then the smaller alts and so you know I got caught up in a little bit of that so yeah it's fine with me if polka dot goes up I, I don't know where the end game is for it but it's uh, you know I've gambled a little on it
0: Yeah. I mean, Polkadot, the founder is an ex Ethereum founder, right? So he decided he, he thought he could do something better than Ethereum. And it's almost like Polkadot is almost a layer zero instead of a layer one, like Ethereum and Bitcoin. And so it's, they're creating a lot of tools that will help connect. I think the, all the ecosystems Cardano is using some of the Polkadot tools to connect Polkadot and Cardano, Right. So I, I'm not sure what the value of the the dot token will be, but I think just what Polkadot is doing from an innovation and connecting everything together is definitely good to see. Cool. And I feel like we need to talk about SBF, right? Because why not talk about SBF? We're uh, weeks away from his sentencing after he got uh, found guilty on what, seven or eight counts. Um, He's fired his lawyers. (laughs) No surprise there. He is now hiring the same lawyers that are going to be representing the Celsius founder later this fall when he goes to trial. So I guess he's hoping that they're going to be better than the last ones. (laughs) The last ones weren't able to really do anything. Anybody could have got him found guilty on those charges. (laughs) And then the last thing that was kind of interesting on my side was we've all heard of Wrangler Jeans. And Wrangler just released some NFTs that they are now partnering with a vintage clothing supplier and adding NFC tags into some of the clothing so that you can, I guess, track the clothing through the blockchain and almost create a story and pass that story along to somebody else through the blockchain. So it's an interesting way of exploring nfts and and all this stuff i don't know if that's something that appeals to me but kind of like we talked about it's it's great to test things out and see how it goes and see what happens
1: kind of it's like the uh, the traveling pants it's like exactly (laughs) oh whatever man try stuff you know like this this crypto stuff's got to be useful somewhere man if it's useful in wrangler jeans then it'll be useful somewhere else you know it's time to tie this stuff into real world like benefits.
0: Yeah. So I think that's all that I had for this week. I mean, excitement going on from the Bitcoin price and a few others as well, but it'll be interesting to see how this progresses over the next couple of weeks, or if this is something now we stay at this level for a long time, or do we see a correction at some point too?
1: No, I mean, like we're knocking on the door of March. And so you've got that Ethereum rollout, which should, be bullish for ethereum and you've got the having in april you got ethereum's ETF likely to be approved 50/50 approval in may so yeah we got a couple of cool months coming up and then you got like the summer where normally things are chill and then the fall where things go nuts so yeah we're kind of you know and, chewing through this uh, this what if but we're way ahead of schedule cuz yesterday was nuts like yesterday yeah. was a was a big time fall like after the having like oh here we go kind of kind of day and it's funny because you got the alts are moving up but bitcoin not at the expense of bitcoin like bitcoin's still moving up so it's like maybe some of that money like that crypto money is rotating out of bitcoin into the altcoins, but money's still coming into bitcoin like new funds through the etf so yeah. you know like it's very difficult for me to say it might be different this time because that's you know how you get your head knocked off but the setup is different this time I don't know if the results will be but we're way early to be knocking on the door I mean we're we're within what 20 twenty five percent of the all-time high before the having you know in the last time if you eliminated the 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 covid drop you know we were like that eight to ten thousand you know we're half of the all-time high around the having and now we're i mean we might be on it by the time the having rolls around so you know i'm i'm cool to be ahead of schedule man i feel like i feel like when once you get into bitcoin you think you're right and then it takes forever so i'm ready for things
0: to move i'm ready for the
1: the suddenly part there's new tokens like gradually part for a long time
0: yeah there's new tokens like starknet that have just had a two billion dollar airdrop right so i mean it's That's huge, right? And granted, if you're in the U.S., you can't touch that, unfortunately. But going back to the the ZK space that I'm really interested in, that's exciting to see. And we'll see if that's another theme that becomes a bigger piece here Mm -hmm. moving forward throughout the rest of the year, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to have more and more to talk about every week. Probably not a slow week in the next few months, at
0: least. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and we'll catch up next week. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.